We are destined to death and eternal death, that's separation from God in a place called hell. Every human being desperately needs a relationship with God and forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I love 11 o'clock church. For 24 years at Metro Baptist Church, we had 11 o'clock church. Um, but starting the last Sunday of July, we've had 8 o'clock church. And it's actually turned out really well. I must, I, I must brag on the Metro Baptist Church family. Um, they are, um, they are just as faithful at 8 o'clock as they were at 11 o'clock. And <clears throat> the Filipinos are more on time at 8 o'clock than they were ever on time at 11 o'clock. So I, I don't know. It's the first thing in the day, so Filipino time is better um, um, that way. So uh, we're having a great time with Anchor Baptist Church. We have church at 8. We leave the building at 9.30. They have church at 10. Um, they have Farsi class at 1 um, what, what time is it? At, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And then we have teen choir at 4.30. And we have our evening service at, 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 at 6.30. And then we have Faith Bible Institute Monday night. Wednesday night, Anchor has their midweek. We have midweek Thursday. They have RU ministry Friday. And then on Saturday morning, they have soul winning meeting on one side of the wall, and we have it on the other side of the wall. And so um, we desperately need, what well, we feel we desperately need more room. And the, 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 the building that we're in is up for um, demolition, um, not in the immediate future, but it's been purchased by a developer. So we don't know when we're going to be told our last day in the office will be. Pastor Turner and I have shared that office for 20 years, and, but one day it's going to come to an end. So we're praying. Uh, we, our two churches actually put an offer on a building in New West, and it's four, uh, we offered $4.25 million. You say, are you guys rich? No, we, we have hardly any money, and we're asking the church to give us four months to, um, to seek the Lord and try to get the money together. It will be an absolute miracle if they even accept our offer, and then it'll be even more of a miracle if we ever get that money. So um, if you'd pray for us, um, we're just stepping out by faith to see what the Lord will do. Luke chapter number 15. Um, oh, my sermon. It's in that. I, excuse me. My sermon's in this. I'm looking for my sermon. What am I going to say? You know what's... It's dangerous for a preacher to try to preach without a sermon. It gets really long. So we read the scripture, Luke 15, 1 through 7. People in Jewish society were classified in three groups based on their outward morality. The righteous, the publicans, and the sinners. Jewish culture during the life of Christ was built upon the Mosaic Law, that included 613 laws covering various aspects of life, including moral laws, religious ceremonial laws, government laws, and dietary laws. The righteous 
those that were classified as the righteous were those who, at least on the outside, appeared to be followers of God's law. This moral foundation in society exposed the need for publicans and sinners to repent. Publicans were Jewish people that sold their souls and sold their allegiance to the Roman Empire, and they were employed by the Romans to collect taxes. The sinners were those who chose overtly sinful lifestyles, like adultery or prostitution or being a drunkard, etc., etc. The truth is, every human being is classified as a sinner. No matter what, no matter what society thinks, every human being is a sinner. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every human being is a sinner by birth. We receive this sin nature from our great, 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 great grandparents, Adam and Eve. And because of this sin nature, we are destined to death and eternal death, that's separation from God in a place called hell. Every human being desperately needs a relationship with God and forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Christ hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. There is no true happiness in this life or the next life without repentance and forgiveness of sins. We see in verse number 7 of Luke chapter 15, it says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. More than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Nothing brings God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit more joy and happiness than a sinner repenting and trusting Christ as their Savior. But Jesus can't save anyone that doesn't think they need Jesus. In Mark 2 and verse 17, Jesus said, They that are whole have no need of a physician. If you're healthy, you don't need the doctor. We had a dear lady in our church for years. Her name was Mavis Beatum. Some of you may know her, but she had a philosophy. If I don't go to the doctor, I'll never be sick. And she just never went to the doctor. Even when she was in her 80s, she'd never go to the doctor. Um, but when you're sick, you know, Pastor Turner is sick. And so his full-time job now is going to doctors. And it, hopefully in a few months, he'll be, he'll, he'll, he, that, that'll be a secondary job. But when we're sick, we go to the doctor. And Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He, he has come to seek and to save that which is lost. We see in this parable that the good shepherd 
will leave the sheep that are safe and he'll go after that one sheep that is still lost. You know, when we're saved, when we trust Christ as our Savior, we are justified. We are made righteous in the sight of God. And that's a permanent righteousness. It's not conditional based on our performance. It's a complete and perfect righteousness that is imputed or given or put on our account that makes us safe for eternity. So if you're saved today, you are safe in the arms of Jesus forever. And so what brings God the most joy is when someone that is lost in danger of eternal judgment, when that person accepts him as their savior and receives the safety of Christ's forgiveness through his blood. In Jesus' day, the religious and the rich were the sinners that rarely were saved. The Sadducees, they rejected the clear teachings of the Old Testament about such things as the resurrection. The Pharisees, they focused on outward obedience to the law, and they felt that in themselves they were already righteous. And the rich, they just felt self-sufficient with no need for God. What is the need of every human being? Well, 2 Peter 3.9 says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the re repentance. Now think about your life. Think of your life in, in, in circles. You're in the middle circle. That's where you live. You get up every morning in the same flesh and blood. When you go to the mirror, you are looking at yourself in the mirror. That's you. You're going to live there until you die in that body. Well, your body and your life, it touches people. It touches some people more than others. Who does it touch the most? Well, the people you live with, your, your parents, your children, your siblings, uh, people that live close to you. When you go out one more circle, you might say it's your close friends, the people you grew up with, the people you went to school with. You go out one more circle, and it might be your neighbors. I've lived in the same house for 20 years, and most of my neighbors are still the same. They're my neighbors. They're not your neighbors. Now, you might work with some of my neighbors, but they touch my life. They're in my circle. You go out one more circle, and you've got... Um, you know, you've got people you work with. My son said to me yesterday, I've worked with the same guy for the last six months. And they drive around to different job sites um, every day when they're working together. And my son said, I know this guy better than some people in the church. I know all about his, 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 how he grew up and um, what interests him. That man is in my son's circle. And then we all do our business in different places. We, you know, we go to different banks. We go to different grocery stores. We, we go to different convenience stores. We, we have different insurance agents and real estate agents. And there's different people that touch our life. And then as a church, Grace Baptist Church is a lighthouse in Surrey. You know, Metro Baptist has never delivered a gospel track in Surrey. 
We've never canvassed an area in Surrey. You say, why? You don't love Surrey? No. It's, we, can't even, we can't even regularly canvass all of Burnaby. North, we, we've never canvassed North Burnaby. Our focus has been East Burnaby and the Metrotown area and some of New Westminster. And we don't do a great job at, at giving them the gospel. But it's our mission field. So that's where we're going to focus our energy. And what is the need of every person whose, whose lives we touch? What is their need? Their need is repentance. Their need is repentance. And whether a person is willing to accept it or not, every human is sinful at their core and needs to be saved. Remember when Jesus met with Nicodemus? Nicodemus was religious. He was a ruler. He had status in society. But Jesus said, Nicodemus, ye must be born again. If you're going to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Now folks, we live in a society where Judeo-Christian morality is constantly attacked and maligned. Judeo-Christian morality has been replaced by moral relativism. Romans chapter 2 tells us that everyone has a conscience that will, t that will testify to what is right and what is wrong. But the prince and the power of the air is working overtime in these last days to undermine God's word, God's morality, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our moral conscience as a society has been hardened by constant indoctrination by the prince and the power of the air. Things that were clearly wrong in society 50 years ago are now normal in our society. And what that, the effect that has is a lot of people in our society, um, they don't realize they need to repent. Because you can live any way you want in our society and be a good person. If you recycle and, um, and tolerate, then you're a good person. If you don't recycle and you don't tolerate things, then you're a bad person. Uh, it's almost like that in our society. But as far as moral behaviors, almost anything goes today. And you can be classified as a good person. And why would a good person need to repent? Why would a good person need to change their mind about the way they're living? We also live in a society that has replaced the superiority of Christianity with the promotion of religious pluralism. Jesus was not bashful when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus didn't say, any sincere religious beliefs will make God happy. That's not what God says. God says, God says in the book of Acts that we are to turn from our idols to the living God. And so religious pluralism puts all religions on the same, on the same plateau. They're all equal. But that's not the teaching of the Bible. The teaching of the Bible, in, in Acts 4.12, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is 
one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the only Savior. He's the only way to heaven. And guess what? People in our society need to be confronted with that truth. We also live in a society that has replaced truth with postmodernism. Postmodernism rejects the idea of absolute truth. You can have your truth, I can have my truth, and the next guy can have his truth. And they're all truth. It's a foolish philosophy, but that philosophy permeates our society. In Jesus' day, the religious didn't repent simply because they didn't think they needed to. In our day, people don't repent simply because they don't think they need to. I wish I could say that out of those, you know, hundreds of thousands of gospel literature we've passed out while we've been in burn, I wish I could say there were just thousands of people lined up to be saved. But the fact is, when people receive gospel literature, they really don't think they need it. Yesterday, we were in Coquitlam helping um, Abounding Grace Baptist Church. Our teenagers were, and, and we, were, we were going door-to-door -door just stuffing, uh, stuffing mailboxes with gospel literature. But occasionally, we'd meet someone, and it was always the same answer. It was always the same answer. Not interested. No thank you. Why? Because people don't think they need God. I, just, I need to interject this here. The John 3.16 story is a tool. It, will never, it can never replace personal evangelism. How did Jesus reach these publicans and sinners? He received them and he ate with them. They were drawn to him. It says in verse number one, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. There was something attractive about Jesus. He would speak the truth. He would speak the truth to the heart. He would call people to repentance. But his love was so genuine and his interest was so genuine that people were attracted to him. And he received sinners and he ate with them. At the, end of the, at the end of the service, everyone leaving is going to receive one of these gospel and goody, card, uh, gospel and goody worksheets. And you say, what is gospel and goodies? It's just an excuse at this Christmas season to reach out to people with the gospel. I think it's probably the best time in our society when Christ is mentioned more than any other time during the year. And so what is a gospel and goodies list? Well, first you pray for your unsaved loved ones. Those people in those circles of influence that you would like to try to reach this Christmas with the gospel. Write their names down and begin praying for them. What else? Prepare a gift that you can give the gospel with. Now our church has put together this little, little cello bag with a candy cane and the gospel track advertising the website. It's not even advertising our church. Right now, we don't really have the, the building to advertise a big, a big service, so we don't, we don't do that right now. Um, so we prepare these. Now, if you work with somebody every day, 300, you know, 
300 days a year or 250 days a year, I would suggest giving them more than a candy cane, okay? Um, I don't know if a candy cane would express very much love. Um, but, you know, maybe you could buy a gift card or um, we're going to buy bath and body soap to give people, the pump soap. Or maybe sweet Georgia Browns, Canada's best chocolate, $5.50. Uh, maybe you're a good baker and you can make some really good cookies. We, the first time we ever did this, we made pumpkin rolls. I've never eaten a pumpkin roll again. I was so sick of them after that year. We made like 20 or 30 pumpkin rolls. And we wrapped them up and we put a gospel track with them and we gave them to people that we were trying to connect with to share the gospel. And, and you know, the goal is to generate conversation about spiritual things. The goal is to try to have people into your home to get to know them and to share Christ with. That's what Gospel and Goodies is all about. Um, also want to challenge you, this is, we edited this for Grace Baptist Church. You've got a college and career board game night. You have a teen event on Saturday, November 25th. You have a ladies' Christmas craft night on December 1st. You have a Christmas market and service on Sunday, December 17th. And you have a teen Christmas party on Wednesday, December 20th. You know, all of those can be excuses to get someone close to the church, close to the gospel this Christmas. And so why not, you know, you could even include with that gift an invitation to one of these events. Folks, you've got to get close. Jesus received people and he ate with people. You know, most Canadians, if you walk up and, and, and say, you're a sinner, you're on your way to hell, you need to get saved, they're going to think you're some lunatic. Now, it may, it may touch their heart and they may get saved. Um, Brother Stan Camps, you probably support him, missionary in, in, um, in the Netherlands. He was saved because... He, heard, he kept hearing the same street preacher yelling about people's sins in downtown Vancouver. I believe there's a place for that. But I wouldn't suggest going to work on Monday morning and standing on the break, ta uh, the break table and starting, you know, um, repent all of you in this, in this room. I wouldn't suggest that. I would suggest getting close to that person and opening up your heart to them. We have a, a Bible study that... Um, when you go to the website, there's a 15-minute explainer video of John 3.16. This is the five-hour explainer of John 3.16. You say, five hours? If, if you take someone through this Bible study and they don't know anything about Christianity, it usually takes me five meetings to go through this Bible study. I have on occasion, I remember the first person we led to the Lord, she was a Filipino lady with quite a bit of... Um, Christian knowledge. It took about an hour and a half to go through the booklet with her. But on the, on the first page of the booklet, it, you express to that friend, that colleague, that person you care about, your motive. It says, thank you for taking time to study the Bible with me. With all my heart, I hope that you will begin a personal relationship with Jesus as a result of our time together. Why? Because Jesus has been so good to me, and I want you to enjoy the life of peace and satisfaction that he offers. Let me briefly share with you 
what Jesus has done in my life. And then you share your testimony. And then at the bottom it says, all of these blessings are not exclusive to me. They are available for every human being because the God I love loves you just the same as he loves me. No matter your race, your religion, your status in society, your intelligence, your accomplishments, your personality, your looks, your past, or your bad habits, he loves you even if you've ignored him or even hated him all of your life. The Bible says the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus, if you've got a personal relationship with people, you don't want to sneak up on them. I'm going to sneak the gospel in on them. No, you want to share your heart. Jesus wants to save you from your sin and enter into a relationship with you. I wouldn't suggest you point your finger like a preacher when you say that. But he wants to bless your life beyond what you can imagine. He's just waiting for you to accept him. Before we begin this Bible study, I want to put your mind at ease. Your schedule is important to me. How much time do you have to study today? You know, respect that person. Care for that person. You know, if you told them it's going to be five hours, now sit down and listen. They're not going to be very interested, are they? And number two, we are not in a hurry. The information in these pages is too important for us to rush through it. Feel free to interrupt me at any time to ask a question. If we do not complete this Bible study today, we can finish it another time. This is where the most fruit will be born. When you sit personally and engage with someone you've prayed for and cared for. And you would be surprised if you will ask people in your life that know you, who you rub shoulders with, hey, would you be interested in doing a Bible study with me? I'd sure like to explain to you the hope that I have in Jesus. You know, if they say yes, guess what? All of the pressure is, is gone. And you can just schedule a time with them and begin sharing with them Jesus. If you'd like to try one of these Bible studies with, um, with, um, with a friend that you have, take two, one for you and one for your friend. And I've got, I've got 20 copies, so 10 people um, could do that. You say, "What well, I want to do it. What if I'm the 11th? Well, you can go to the website and you can print this right from the John 3.16 website, and I believe it'll be a great help to you. How did Je what was Jesus's or one of his primary methods of evangelism is he received and he ate with sinners. Gospel and goodies is just a tool to connect with people that need Jesus and show them your love and try to engage them in a meaningful conversation about something they don't even think they need. But you know they need it. And you, God has put you in their life to bring awareness. Now be careful when you're witnessing. You've got to bring up the bad news. You've got to bring up the fact that they're sinners at some point. And, and sometimes that's where the conflict is. And sometimes that's where the difficulty is in our soul winning. But ask God for the grace and the wisdom to show your friend their desperate need for Jesus. What will bring joy to heaven? When a sinner repents. And you are the tool that God wants you to use to receive sinners and to love sinners.
And folks, let's never have our nose in the air. We're just sinners. We're still sinners. But hopefully, we're growing and becoming more like Jesus. And God wants you to help others come to know Him this Christmas. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.